Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurga Deus et dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derunt eum a facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So this is sort of an interlude episode. I actually had no intention of recording an episode. However, a listener did bring up a potential issue with the with one of the uh, programs that I was featured on, um, because I was a guest on another show, I am, however, rebroadcasting those those uh, those interviews, and I have a link to the to the first video in Bitchute. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's actually the episode immediately before this one, and the episode immediately after this one. So this one's going to be couched in between both of those episodes. Um, the the institute, the Apocatastasis Institute, is a college. Um, as of right now, doing trying to do some research, it's kind of difficult to be certain as to whether or not Mr. Coleman, probably Dr. Coleman in all honesty, but uh, <clears throat> is Catholic. Um, given some of the other things that I've been looking through, it's, I don't know. He might be modern Catholic. Who knows? The Apocatastasis Institute is not like a Catholic university. It is a college of the humanities. So all of the things that they do on their own time, not my concern. I made no bones about the fact that I was a Catholic on the pod, on, on his show. Um, made no bones about that fact that an ardent Catholic uh, made no bones about the fact that I'm the podcast host of Radio Free Catholic. So if you do decide to look into it, I will tell you, just like every other college or university, there are some things that, um, yeah, I'm going to say I don't agree with. The um, I don't know what the functionality is. The Apocatastasis Institute's in Connecticut. I'm in Montana. Um, If I wanted to be anywhere in New England, I'd be home in New York. 
um, until I'm guessing sometime until after the Armageddon that actually directly affects the United States of America and some fundamental changes um, to our whole social system, social and government system, uh, which is to say the total collapse of all of all things um, within the United States, I'm probably not going back to New York. Um, and I'm most certainly not moving to any other part of New England. As far as I'm concerned, New England can have its death and destruction, and it will. <clears throat> because I don't think there's a red state up there. And that would just be enough to be like, okay, I could put up with this place a little bit longer. So, that being said, that is my disclaimer for the Apocatastasis Institute. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm not a teacher. I'm a mechanic boss. Like, I have no academic credentials beyond my airframe and power plant certificate and the diploma from the technical school through which I managed to achieve my airframe and power plant certification with the Federal Aviation Administration. So, I've said it many, many times. I'm... You could probably mistake me for an intellectual, but you cannot mistake me for a credentialed scholar. I'm a mechanic and a warfighter, period, full stop. Um, I also don't, well, what's the best way to put it? Without being directly, obviously not directed at any particular institution, but I don't endorse colleges or universities, period. As far as I'm concerned, they're all dead. They're they're all dead letters. Like you, oh hey, I'm a man of letters. Yeah, uh, all that meant was you could read and write. <clears throat> you know, you can meet, you could read, you could write, you could do arithmetic. You you followed the original liberal arts. Cool. You know, those those are not the way you, colleges and universities operate today. Um, and so you could, I suppose you could say this is my official distancing, but I want to make it clear to my listeners, I don't endorse, um, in point of fact, actually, let me be blunt. I don't endorse institutionalized learning that's not a seminary, period. And most seminaries, I also don't endorse because they're kind of crap and they're not really forming, you know, good priests, and, oh, hey, by the way, if it's not a Catholic seminary, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a seminary, period. Because if it's not Catholic, it's really not the one true faith. It's not actually a religion. There's my Western, chauvinist, chauvin, Western chauvinistic take for the day. Catholicism built civilization, and if it's not Catholic, it's not civilized. It's that simple. And in most cases, even if it is Catholic, doesn't necessarily mean that it, that it's going to help you get to heaven. We've got many institutions that have proven themselves to be totally incapable of even getting of even putting out holy priests. So, I mean, and other institutions that don't even try putting out you know sanctified people altogether. Notre Dame comes to mind. You know what used to be a traditional Catholic university. Now, I think that's enough railing about that. That was actually the one precursor I wanted. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure I got that out there. You know, I, I, I was a guest on there. I'm happy to have been a guest on there. Our interviews, I'm perfectly content with being affiliated with. 
those the the three shows the three shows that I did I'm perfectly content as to diving into some of the other sketchy topics and if you click on the link in BitChute you'll notice that uh, probably the drop down menu on the side will show you all of those sketchy topics that I don't endorse um, I think <laughs> I think people have a tendency to allow themselves to be led in a direction that, while not necessarily directly immoral or harmful, is certainly entirely too dangerous for the average person. I'm not going to discount any of the work that they do at Apocalypse Stasis. I haven't reviewed. I don't attend any of their court. Like, I don't do any of the stuff that, they, like, I'm not involved with them. So I don't really know. But I do know from personal experience that a lot of the things that they sort of delve into as an institution are ridiculously dangerous for the soul. So that's my only disclaimer. Um, <clears throat> and there, and I got to be perfectly honest with you. If you're listening to Radio Free Catholic, then you know exactly what I'm talking Like, you'll see it and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. With that being said, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangelae, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est opraecidium. Imperetili Deus, supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae caelestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum trude. Amen. Cor Iesu Sacratissimum miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pronobis. Beatis Caralusa Domo Austriae, ora pronobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So I've got actually two topics, despite the extra long intro. Um... I've got two topics that I want to touch on. Both of them are ridiculous. And as we delve into them, you'll understand. The first topic is Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. I'm going to save that one for the end because I think I'm going to have the most fun with that one. I'm lying. Actually, I think I'm going to have the most fun with, with the first topic that we're going to talk about. And that first topic is the metaverse and the concept of digital or AI-based immortal life. <laughs> now, they say AI-based immortal life. You'd be able to live forever as a digital avatar and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, opener, obviously, that's trash. You're not going to live forever. You're in your body. And, you're, yeah, we're just going to leave that like that. But the topic that I actually kind of wanted to delve into, since they're going to try and do this dumbness anyway, and to be sure, I mean, as projects go, from an intellectual standpoint, like if you, if you just take the can this be done standpoint, um, to be sure, it's an interesting, it, it's, it is a topic that is at least interesting. It most certainly is going to set about a whole bunch of scores of debate. Um, if you're Catholic, then you clearly know that this is not like, hey, this is my ticket to live forever. Obviously, that's not true. But the part of the topic that I wanted to dive into is the morality about creating your own digital demon. 
Now, I chose that phrasing to kind of lean into where my opinion is on that. Because let's be real, you're talking about creating something that isn't sentient. At least I don't think it's going to be sentient. If it is sentient, like no joke, it's going to be because God's going to be like, well, you wanted to do this. There's the breath of life. Now you can put up with it. And to be sure, nothing is impossible with God. And that might be exactly how he decides to uh, punish us. Is it necessarily going to be the case? I don't know. Personally, I think he'd draw back the curtain before that happens. But on the off chance that he doesn't, what is the morality for signing up to create your own digital demon? A digital demon that is patterned based on you. It is a really interesting topic. Now, we're not talking... Let's talk about the things that this is not, okay? Artificial intelligence is a series of algorithms that manages to be predictive. And insofar that you are predictable is how well the algorithm works to predict you. Now, I will tell you that for all of their magnificence and the fact that I only that I very rarely restrict a lot of the a lot of the transactional data that I do online, the algorithms suck. Okay? They do a horrible job at predicting me and it could simply be because I am actually unpredictable. I don't personally think that's the case. I actually think that they don't know how to write an algorithm for somebody who's not completely sworn over into material materialism. Excuse me. And to be to be sure, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the algorithm will get better. But you know how like the algorithm will go, hey, you like this and then you did that and blah, blah, blah. And I got to be perfectly honest with you. I can dive around through and as the computer tries to figure out me, they mess it up by the numbers. It is extremely rare. In fact, it has been a very long time since any algorithm has been able to predict even my most basic shopping. I usually actually have to go looking for the stuff that I'm looking for. And... Well, let's be real. All it can really do is just, hey, by the way, you like this. Are you going to do it again? Oh, probably not. Because, you know, if I'm shopping for, say, underwear, I'm going to buy what I need and then I'm done. So you can come back at me with with months and months and months of underwear ads and you're going to get nothing. If I buy shoes... It's going to be months probably before I buy them again. And oh, hey, by the way, it's probably not even going to be the same type of shoe. Because my church shoes might wear out, and so I need some church shoes. And then my the boots that I wear to work might wear out, and I might need some boots. But, I mean, if you're smart about your purchases... You make sure that you, you know, make sure that you only dump the money out into something that is going to last you a bit because you don't want to have to do it again then the algorithm's totally not going to predict anything that you that you need. It legitimately will not. So when I click on, I don't know, the occasional advertisement on YouTube, which I think right now they're one in like 2,000 that I even find remotely interesting. 
I mean, I'll let advertisements play because, you know, if I'm watching YouTube, then it's kind of a nod, you know, you let the ad play out. So this, well, assuming it's not one of those ridiculous seven minute ads, but you let the ad play out so that the YouTuber that you're watching can, you know, can get some of the ad revenue. But beyond that, I don't know. I think, oof. Does it go through the number of ads? I don't know. If I were, if, I don't know, if I if I were to guess, I'd say something to the tune of two or three thousand ads. They might get one right, and that's with Google scooping up all my data. So I'm not convinced <laughs> that they'll be able to actually make an av- you know, an avatar of a high enough quality. I mean, it'll have my voice to be sure. I mean, I've got a thousand episodes or almost a thousand going on a thousand episodes for the podcast. So they've got plenty of samples of my voice. They've got my speech patterns. They probably could manage to match that up and work and work it out. And, you know, you might actually be talking to an avatar that sounds like me, but I'm also very careful not to be putting my image all over the internet and occasional videos here and there. So I'm pretty sure they're not, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe they'll successfully de-age me. Be really nice if they could, you know, de-chubify me. That, that little, had a little bout with overweightness in my mid-twenties that I never quite got over. <laughs> it doesn't really matter how much weight I lose. I don't know, still got, still got the chubby cheeks. So, <clears throat> the... Uh, and no, I'm not it. Like, I don't really care that much about my image. But it would be nice if my avatar was skinnier than me. The, um... <clears throat> but the question, all of this actually kind of bases around, obviously, you know, I spend a little bit of time jumping around this topic. But the question actually has to do with the morality of, if you're not actually doing it for the idea of extending your life, you know, as... Obviously, I don't believe that I could add so much as a day to my life, and I'm certainly and I'm certainly not convinced that a digital version of me is going to make me somehow immortal. I mean, you're talking like, well, <laughs> certainly not invincible, because I mean, a digital version of you could be taken out by an electromagnetic pulse in the right computer, corrupt enough data, and then done, Dunsky, it's over. But the concept of actually having a digital demon out there that looks, talks, that looks, well, I don't know about looks, but at least talks like me. And it'd be interesting to see if it actually runs through the algorithm's thought processes enough to make a determination as to the sort of things that I might do. God help whoever is still on earth when they manage to put that one into place. Because let's be real for just a moment. Faith is an act of intellect and will. Religion is the is the expression of your duty according to your faith. Religion is in and of itself, at least as it pertains to Catholicism, which is the only real religion out there. Religion, and by the way, orthobros, I'm not talking about you, okay? I'm talking about Protestants. But... <clears throat> In fact, I'm okay. In the not religion, I'm talking about Protestants, I'm talking about Muslims, I'm talking about Jews, I'm talking about pagans, I'm talking about everybody not Catholic. Period. 
Orthodox are literally our separated brethren. The other so-called religions aren't. Because all of those so-called religions, you can come up with hundreds of thousands of excuses to not actually live by them or how your particular adaptation is still living by them. But Catholicism is true because you have to because the the creed and all of and all of the concordant dogmas and doctrines are all interwoven together. Now you could be a bad Catholic, still be Catholic. You're just bad at practicing the faith, poorly formed, poorly catechized, undisciplined. But other than that, you're just irreligious. <laughs> oh, man. I am so glad that I'm a small podcast because that statement by itself, I have people just going, and I don't care. Anyway, <clears throat> but it would be very interesting to see the digital expression of someone such as myself who doesn't actually have the capacity, one, to even be a who, but for simplicity of language, doesn't have the capacity for the intellect and will to operate. Or if it does, I mean, the intellect, yes, but I mean, seriously, what what is digital will? Think about it. You're talking about logic gates. If this, then this. If this, then that. If these three things, then that. If this, but not those other four things, then this. And I know, I, I said the word logic gate, and if you happen to be a programmer, then you know what I'm talking about. If you, In fact, actually, programmer or, electric, or um, electrical engineer, you probably actually will know what I'm talking about with that. But those logic gates, those things that, that you know, the, the and, nand, or, xor, those things. And I know I'm speaking Swahili with those, but to those who know, you understand what I'm talking about. Like, a logic gate doesn't equal will. You know, a logic gate also doesn't afford conversion. You know, these algorithms don't rewrite themselves. If they did, then they wouldn't be de facto, they wouldn't be algorithms. But it would be very interesting to see the digital demon that's created by all of the logic gates based on the superfluous digital data out there in the out there in the interwebs cosmos. That would be based on me or you, particularly given the fact that especially, oh, it would be very interesting to see. Because when you're talking about putting those logic gates into, into, uh, into question, do the justice gates outdo the mercy gates? Is there some point, is there some point where the decisions that are charity or mercy or hope or faith override the prudential, the justice, the for digital fortitude? What is that even? What would that even be? Like, how would you even, like, how could you even, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why this is, why I know this isn't going to work. But since I'm taking the opportunity to explore this landscape, this is one of those things where it's like, what does digital fortitude look like for an AI? 
the AI doesn't, I mean, and, and the reason why I call it a digital demon is because, A, it doesn't have the perfected intellect of the angel. This isn't, we're not talking about something that has, uh, well, I, mean, I don't know, maybe it does. That's really where the question comes into play. Maybe it does. Because when you're running, when you're running through a programming algorithm and you've got to pull up the definition, for example, when you pull up, say, the definition to ardent, right? You type, you type in the Google search bar, ardent definition, and then it comes up with, you know, the three or four or nine or 12 or 15 definitions as defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary, dictionary.com, um, the Oxford's dictionary and, 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 and whatever, all of those things technically pop up in the same way that they would in the angelic nature. But the question is, is when you're a, like, when you're a digital entity, for lack of a better word, like, does that even work? I don't know. This is one of those things because obviously I don't believe that that a digital create that a digital intelligence supposedly um, would actually qualify as an intelligence because I mean there's at some point where those logic gates have to actually push processes. Angels have both an intellect and a will. Demons have an intellect and a will. Humans have an intellect and a will. All the rest of creation lacks the proper the proper fullness of intellect like an octopus can figure out how to open up a bottle especially if he, if it's shown like if like if you if you put a bottle in their habitat and then you show like like while they're you know sort of weird looking eyes are looking at you how to open the bottle it can open the bottle because all it has to do is just vaguely emulate what you did. If it encounters another bottle that has a cap on it or a jar or whatever, it can open the jar because it, because it retains that knowledge. But whether or not that actually qualifies as what we would understand today as a sentient level of intellect, it doesn't really matter how clever they are. If the intent is to get in the bottle because there's food or you need a good hiding or you need some place to hide because there's a predator, like, there's there's still the lack of the capacity for machination. And I think that's the right word for it. Because the capacity for machination shifts you from using a rock as a blunt object similar to a hammer and using a stick to combining the rock and stick into an actual hammer. You know, the, the, the leap. Yeah, you can, use, you can use various blunt objects. You know, you can use a stick as a lever. Cool. You can use a rock as a hammer. Cool. But to make the intellectual leap, to combine the rock with the hammer and shape the rock in such a manner that it makes the stick in a more efficient lever that's beyond the capacity of any species that is not human at at a minimum human the only other the only other species that have that capacity are the ones created with a more advanced intellect and will with the capacity of machination 
obviously that falls within the category of angels and demons. Um, and it obviously falls within, falls within the capacity of God. But it doesn't fall within the capacity of octopi. It doesn't fall into the capacity of dogs or monkeys or cobras or cheetahs or any other species on the earth save man. And the question is, is could you actually impart that level of machination, that, 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 that level of capacity towards, or the faculties of machination towards a digital intellect? And if that is actually possible, then my question now becomes, what is the morality of creating a digital demon? Because when you have that, le because it's more than just being able to interact with some digital whatever that looks like grandma. It's more than that. You're not actually, like, as far as I'm concerned, everything that they call AI is pretty scary. But it's not what I would really call artificial intelligence. It's certainly not to the, to the degree of sentience. And it's definitely not to the degree of sapience. But if you could get it to that point, if it is possible to program to that level, if you could actually create a computer program that is complex enough, that is capable of parsing through the thoughts fast enough, is capable of recall to all of that information, what is actually the morality attached to creating a digital demon? And I keep saying demon, but... In this particular context, it's probably better to say Damon um, or Diamond, uh, D-A-I or D-A-E-M-O-N. <clears throat> I would be interested to know. And it's a merely intellectual exercise. I don't actually think that it's possible, um, even if it were possible. We have enough trouble dealing, like seriously, we have more than enough trouble dealing with how we deal with actual sentient beings that look, in general, like us, plus or minus 5%. And for the record, 5% is actually the total variance from an African tribesman to a native, uh, the, any of the native um, people of the Native Americas to any of the people native to Asia. And when I say native to Asia, I do mean India, all of the above. It is actually only a 5% difference across the entire spectrum of human beings. And most of the physical differences are ex explicitly environmental changes over time. They're adaptations, they're not evolutions. And then skin tone was obviously painted by God. Sort of incorporate, sort of incorporate, skin tone was incorporated into the design and varies according to his will. But when you're talking about physical struck, like the physical features, the features, your cheekbones, your, the shape of your nose, the shape of your lips, the shape of your chin, a lot of that is actually predicated on environment. It, it, there's a whole lot less predicated on genetics than I think a lot of people think. 
yeah, you've got the recessive genes for like blue eyes or this, that, and the other. But in all seriousness, the shape of the shape of a man's hands or a woman's hands is predicated on the type of work they do. If I would have stayed an academic, my hands would be significantly smaller than they are. But because I went through the, through the course of time, going through sports and then on into physical like the physical trades, war fighting, uh, construction, the various form the various forms of engineering to include combat, um, and now of course working as a mechanic, the phys- the physical structure of my hands have have adapted to the movements, the development of muscle, how that deforms the bone and all and all of that. Those those are physical adaptations. Had I stayed in an office, my hands would be significantly smaller. And being and being given the fact that I'm almost 6 foot 1, that'd be kind of funny indeed. And even the fact, actually, even the fact that I am almost six foot one is also largely predicated on my diet growing up and the physical and the physical activities. I have a close friend who the only reason, the only real reason why he's five, he's like five foot six, five foot seven was because he was a gymnast and the impact ended up actually doing damage to the growth plates on his bones. So he's short. I have other friends who were, you know, of slight build. Couldn't really explain why, except for the fact, except for clearly, it had more to do with the type of activity, the type of activities growing up. But you can definitely connect particular diets to your overall physical structure. You can definitely connect, um, you know, the type of things that you do particularly actually once you become the once you cross into uh, adolescence and your body starts making the change your body's going to adapt to, according to the things that you do according to the according to the food that it gets according to the things that you do according to your activities your, the amount of time you spend outdoors etc 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 your body's going to make those adaptations you know, your overall build, if a person's actually, you know, when they say someone's big boned, it's probably because they were chubby through adolescence. And oh, hey, by the way, when they become adults, if they were chubby through adolescence and they stayed that way, even after the growth spurt, then chances are they literally are big boned from there on. Even if they are also overweight. But if they lost all of that weight, you would still see the evidence that they were, in fact, big through their through their entire through their entirety of the former their formative years all of that all of that adaptation would be lacking in a quote unquote digital avatar now maybe it's just a caricature maybe or and this is the thing that this is the reason why I'm asking this question see because a lot of people say, for example, in the book of Revelation, that it's going to be a statue that is the image of the beast. And I might be mistaken, but my recall is actually pretty good. They continually say, made an image of the beast. 
for 2,000 years, nearly 2,000 years, it's only been in the last century, that an image of the beast would have been relegated to a painting or a statue. Okay? Now, I don't know what the Greek word for image is. It might be icon. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the original translation is there. I don't have a Koine Greek um, edition of the Apocalypse of St. John. But I don't necessarily remember the word statue being used. In fact, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to hit the pause button on this recording thing. We're going to take advantage of the fact that I finally have a pause button on recording. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to whip through the the, uh, the book of the Apocalypse of St. John. And I'm going to verify that. And in less than two shakes of a lamb's tail, I'll let you know. Well, that was easy. <clears throat> Image of the Beast. Eikon. Um, that's E-I-K-O-N. Um, not dissimilar from the word icon. Um, it was, at, it looked like the phonetic pronunciation would be ikone, uh, or ikon, possibly icon. Um, I don't know the letters, the letters as they were in there, I should have actually just hit the little speaker. So this way I knew for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's icon, um, icon or icon. And if that is in fact the case, then, and, and it's funny because it goes literally statue or image. Or likeness. <laughs> well, doesn't have to be a statue, does it? Image, likeness, statue, image of the beast. So this actually has some biblical uh, connotations. Particularly if you're talking about a, a digital avatar that looks like you, sounds like you, talks like you. And remember that the, <laughs> the image of the beast, well, let's be blunt. Everybody assumes it's a statue because, you know, that's been the long-term understanding. But that's not... <laughs> necessarily what the word means. So, why is this important? Because I could argue, given actually, because I, I took a few minutes and read the rest of the passage. <laughs> and truth be told, this is actually the other reason. Uh, a, well, not the other reason. An other reason. Why I don't like doing video. Because, what does it really mean to make the image talk? Think about it. When movies first came out, and you see the images moving across the screen because you got the film, and you got the motion pictures, right? So the motion pictures first came out, and they were silent. So you would see, um, you know, I'll use, um, oh, what's the, not Caligula. Darn it, I can't remember the first, the, like, the first real vampire movie. Anyway, um, 
Might be Caligula. I don't know. The um, But the first real vampire movie. It's a silent movie. You see the images move across the screen. They got various, like the images, it, it is actually filmed in black and white. And then to add to it, they just used color film. Um, you know, color lenses over it. So this way they could set the mood by putting a color over it. But it was basically, it was originally filmed in black and white. It was originally a silent film. In fact, it's still a silent film. It's a very good film, by the way. Um, the, well ahead of its time. The, Imagery, however, when it came to time, when it came time to see or for for what whoever to speak, what happens? Screen goes black, and you have the words on the screen. And this was common enough that for a long time that the earliest movies that had audio were literally called talkies. But it's weird how when talking motion pictures came out. Nobody screamed. Nobody talked. Like there's nobody who came out, oh goodness, it's the mark of the beast. Why do I bring that up? Because what's in every single home? Nearly every single home around the world. You have a television of some size. So, Maybe it's a smart, maybe it's just a smartphone that you play YouTube or, you know, watch videos on Twitter. Or maybe you've actually got a computer that you can stream and that's all you got. Maybe you don't have a television. But between televisions and computer monitors and smartphones, there is, there is that black screen capable of putting moving, talking images everywhere in the world. everywhere and no one thinks twice about a television or a movie no one it doesn't matter how much degradation has actually happened to society it doesn't matter that people spend more time in front of that idol than they do in at church worshiping god Everybody, oh, the mark of the beast. Dear family, you already worship at the altar of the beast. You already worship the image of the beast. It's already there. And the reason why I know that we already do it is because nobody thinks twice. Nobody thinks twice about the marvel of technology that is a moving, talking picture. Oh, but these things can certainly be used for this, that, and the third. Yes. And what has Disney proven in the last week? That it's also there to corrupt. Those same screens are the screens that stream pornography. You think that's not corrupting souls around the world? Oh, I know you know this to be true. All the movies... All the television shows, many of the YouTube channels, not all to be sure, but I make that very important distinction 
oh, but we don't worship and you're not made to worship the beast. Yeah, that's true. You're not made to worship the beast. But who are the people who don't watch television? Who are the people who don't go out to the movies? Who are the people who don't watch videos on their phones? Newsflash, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you don't know anybody who doesn't worship at that all. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's my contention. Now, is that to say that there won't actually literally be some statue? Some talking statue? Well, no. I don't think there's actually going to be literally a talking statue. I'm not even joking. I am not joking. The reason why I don't think it's a talking, it's going to be a talking statue is because it would have to find a way to put it in every home. There are 7,000 miles that separate you who are listening to my voice from the, from the person furthest from you. So it doesn't matter. So if you took the distance from Australia to the furthest point away where there are also people, there's at least 7,000 miles, 7,000 miles from, from where I used to live to Kabul, Afghanistan. There's at least 7,000 miles. If you were to go straight through the earth, it's 4,000 miles to the furthest point. 
and it's not 4,000 miles to the furthest point. It's actually much further than that because you can't, because you're not going straight through the earth. It's not going to be a statue because they would have to find a way to put a statue in every city. They would have to find a way to put the statue in every town. They would have to find a way to compel you to leave your house. And to be blunt, that's just too much of a pain in the butt. Seriously. Oh, we're going to make them do that? No, no, bro. What did they do as an exercise of tyranny in the last two years? They made you stay home. Where did they first, for, like, no, <laughs> where did they force you to worship at? Think about this. The entire Catholic church shut down and where were you? Well, you could go to church online. You could watch, you could, you could attend mass via live stream on YouTube. Where did they for, force you to worship? Hmm? How do I know it's the image of the beast? How do I know that television screens and, and your smartphone is more likely the image of the beast? It's because it is absolutely easy and nobody says anything about it. There's nobody fighting television. There's nobody fighting the internet. There's nobody fighting the black screens that we all have in our houses. Or in our pocket. Now, am I saying that you need to get offline and put away your smartphone and go get a dumb phone and or or just get a, get rid of a cell phone altogether and get the television and the cameras and the and the ring and the this that and the other and all the high technology out of your house? Maybe that's up to you, prudential judgment. The church has not come out and said the TV is evil. The church has not come out and said the TV is the image of the beast. But I also wouldn't hold my breath for the church to come out and say that but I would not put it past the apostle St. John to say that's exactly what I saw in my vision was people sitting in front of the television worshipping at the altar because think about this if you have a television in your house I want you to step back in fact if, you have the, if you're listening to me on your phone I hope I want you to step back away from wherever it is that you're at, and I want you to walk into your living room, and I want you to look at the quote-unquote centerpiece in your living room. That big black box sitting on top of a table, not a very large table, but a table that is actually specially designed for that. Or maybe you have your house arranged where the television is hanging up over your fireplace. And then I want you to actually take a moment and think about where you're at at church. Think about how the altar is set up at church. Now, maybe you're lucking out at this point and you're one of those Novus Ordo Catholics who accidentally stumbled upon my channel. But if you're not a Novus Ordo Catholic and you're actually a traditional Catholic that's the normal listener to this podcast, you see it right now. You literally see it. Sure, we call it a TV stand. But the assembly of the TV stand with the television up over it 
Maybe you've got a couple of shelves of DVDs or, you know, a couple, I don't know, maybe maybe your house is actually, you know, set up old enough where you maybe you have a couple of shelves that have DVD racks or whatever. Where are those DVD racks? They're on both sides of the television, aren't they? Like the statues of the angels. And more than likely, above your television, there is nothing. Am I right? There's nothing higher than your television. Your television actually probably sits at right about the perfect altitude point where it's right about you're looking straight at it. If you're standing in front of it, you're looking straight at it. Maybe if you're a little bit unfortunate, you can't mount it on the wall or whatever, but I mean, seriously, you can see it. There's probably even a part of you that's like, oh my God, he's in my house. But this is literally every house. Every house in the West, what's the centerpiece of the living room? It's the television. Not every, not every single house. You might I might actually have a listener who's gotten rid of the television altogether, probably has a computer off to the side in, in you know in some little room, or maybe in like a little alcove where it's basically in public, like right next to the kitchen or whatever. You might actually have it set up like that. But for the more advanced, a uh, uh, more ad- technologically advanced people who have like the little monitor on your refrigerator where your kids' pictures used to go. Maybe have another screen in your kitchen, you know, for the iPad so you have your recipes. Not where the cook- cookbooks used to go, but someplace where you can actually reach it. Which means it's centrally located in the kitchen. And then God forbid you've actually got one in your bedroom on a stand. Like an altar in your in your room. And oh hey, by the way, if you do have it in your bedroom, I can pretty much guarantee that it looks a hell of a lot more like an altar. Because you have you know, your little potted plants and your tree, you know, or maybe an artificial tree or something like that, or something to kind of decorate it. And you can pretty much guarantee that there's something on either side because the human brain doesn't do well with the empty spaces. And the things that are lacking in your house... especially if you've got multiple televisions in your house, the things that are lacking is actually other decorations that draw your mind and your eye elsewhere to something other other than whatever's on the television. And this is in most houses across the nation and around the world. Most houses. In order to fight against this, I can let you know what I did. One, my recording studio is in my living room. It's not in a very centrally located spot. Eventually, it'll actually be, once I get once I get finished using the back room as a storage room, and I can actually get all the shelves and stuff set up and get the books all put away and all that. Um, it'll get moved into that back room, and when it gets moved into that back room, the desk the desk that my recording stuff is on is going in there with it, and I'm getting a new table that's going to sit and be literally legit. It's literally just going to hold some books. And the dish that's going to collect my keys when I come, when I walk in the door, and maybe a couple of uh, 
maybe a second like bookshelf or something under it. But I deliberately have my apartment set up so that the television is not the centerpiece. I deliberately have artwork on the walls. These are things that I used to neglect that I never used to think all that much about. But as, I, as I've proceeded in the faith, it occurred to me that if I don't have other things to look at, what am I looking at? I'm looking at that screen. When I record the podcast, I have an image, I have an image of Christ the King. I have an image of the Blessed Mother under her title of uh, Mother of Sorrows, Mata Dolorosa. I have another image of the Blessed Mother with the Christ Child. I've got the Holy Family. I've actually got the altar, my home altar. All of this is in view. And all of this is in view specifically because these images are far more beautiful than most of anything that I can get online. Short of the actual sacred images that people manage to post online, it's actually more beautiful than anything I could get online. And this is done on purpose because I do not want my eyes affixed to the screen. The only time that I'm really ever actually focused on the screen, I'm doing the news troll or I'm recording. That's it. And the only thing on the screen is actually the indicator, the clock, that shows exactly how much time I've, I've set and then whatever art news articles that I, that I happen to be reading from if I'm reading from a news article. Why did we dive into this? This is actually literally all, all predicated on that digital avatar immortality crap that they're selling. This is actually all connected. Because I'm aware, I'm aware of this particular thing and it managed to slide in. And this is one of the, if they would have, (laughs) if television would have come out and everybody would have came out, oh, it's the mark of the beast. It's the image. Nobody thinks it's the image because everybody thinks that the image of the beast is going to be a statue. But explain to me how the image of a person talking on a screen a literal moving picture with words and everything. Explain to me how that is not the literal description. Oh, but it's translated into statue. Okay, cool. But that word has several meanings. Likeness. Literally statue. Literally likeness. Icon. Duh. I don't have to go much more than that. And the reason why I think it's television and the correlated screens, you know, the computer screens and the smartphones and all that other stuff is because where do we direct all of our attention to? Where, what's the one thing that everybody, like, what's the one thing that traditional Catholics are looking at and going, hey, you got to get away from your smartphone. You got to get away from the internet. You got to get away from your, t- you got to get away from your television. You got to spend time with your kids and do things that aren't related to the TV screen. Why? Because we realize now that it's unhealthy. But most people don't realize that in the same way that pornography has become so ubiquitous as to be absolutely insidious because you can literally carry it around in your pocket and nobody knows, in that exact same way, such is, such is, the, such is the progression with smart TVs and computers and all of the rest. 
And most of the time, these screens, what do they pour in? What do they pour into your house? They pour poison in. Yeah, you might get an occasional good movie or a good book or something that's edifying, but most of the the vast majority of everything that comes out of the studios, and in this case, I don't just mean film studios or television studios, I mean all studios, the vast majority of what comes out of these studios is crap. It's poison, it's trash, it's garbage. And possibly, although I don't know for sure, because when you look at Catholic social teaching and you look at and you look at the morals and, the, and you look at the moral teachings of the church and the dogmas and the doctrines of the church, they don't really have a whole lot to say with regards to technology. And maybe they maybe they should. But it seems to me that when it makes the when it makes the discussion about the the image of the beast who was slain or appeared to have been slain and yet lived again the mortally wounded beast man i could run down so many parallels so many There's, I'm going to go with a supposition. I don't know exactly how firm it is, but there's a supposition out there that talks about paganism, like legitimate, like the old style paganism being the beast that was slain or appeared to be slain and yet lived again. But there could be any number, like in all seriousness, there could be any number of technical, actual um, icons, images, representations, explanations, <clears throat> the, the other end of the parable, I guess you could say, you know, the part, <clears throat> the other end of the par parable, meaning that part that Christ explains. Be many explanations. Who doesn't watch television? Who's not on the internet? Who doesn't have a smartphone? <laughs> Quick connection. They want to create the digital IDs in such a way that you won't be able to buy or sell. And you'll either need it in your head or in your hand. The mark, either in your head or in your hand. Well, doesn't actually have to be tattooed on you. Doesn't have to be injected into your hand. It actually could just be handheld. That mark of the beast might actually literally just be something handheld. We always assume that it's going to be a microchip injected in, the, in like the top of your hand. We assume that's going to be the case. And maybe, maybe in part... Maybe they'll make a wearable phone. You know, you can wear it like glasses. 
And it can carry, I mean, let's be real. The circuit cards in a cell phone, they're not really all that big. You only got to go a little bit further. Actually, do you only have to go a little bit further? The virtual reality headsets. Most of the ones, the Oculus, you know what those are made of? It's literally just like a little box thing that holds your smartphone on your head. I haven't actually talked about a lot of this stuff because, well, in part because I knew that as, as I started to dig and parse this out, this was literally a topic I did not want to talk about in, in an episode. But since we're here, when you really parse it out, could it be a microchip that's embedded in your head or something or in, in the back of your hand, in the back of your right hand, or like the Swedish do with that little rice, rice kernel-sized chip that they put in the flesh in between their thumb and forefinger? It could actually be a microchip like that, but it doesn't actually have to be because it's a mark in the head and the hand. In the head, in the hand. But where do you hold your phone? up to your head and in your hand. And when you combine that with the fact that image doesn't necessarily mean statue, and even the word actually is derived from icon, is more similar to icon, I mean, it could be, you know, more literally a statue, but let's be real for just a minute. It's equally likely that the image of the beast that can talk, take it one step further, FaceTime, FaceTime or what is it, Google Duo, Skype, Zoom, do you see where I'm going with this? Now, is Antichrist around the corner because of this? Well, maybe. Is it directly correlative? Maybe. Maybe the cell phone and the smartphone, maybe the smartphone and the television is a precursor to something more. Maybe maybe the smartphone and the television, the computer, they're precursors specifically to the digital avatar. Perhaps the digital avatar will have an interface like a statue that it can project itself on. But with 7 billion people in the world, I think it's actually kind of unreasonable to expect people to go worship at this statue. And the reason why I say that is because these are the same people who don't want you traveling. These are the same people who don't want you to have a car. That's why I say that. Because it is far more likely that there would be some required video that everybody has to watch. But as I've been sort of expounding on this, when I'm actually kind of anchoring in on the fact that they closed the churches and they forced you to watch church online. They forced you to watch church on your TV screens, on your smartphone. 
You couldn't actually go in and partake in the sacraments. You had to watch it on TV. And again, not necessarily an evil thing. Not necessarily an evil thing. Before we move on to the other topic, there's one other aspect. Last aspect. Oh, and this one's dangerous. Because as I'm thinking about, as I'm noodling how to how to actually lay this one out, it occurred to me that this make this actually is the last step for the most dangerous suggestion that I will have ever made on this podcast. TikTok. What is TikTok? It's people vote posting videos of themselves doing whatever. Maybe they're doing something useful like forging katana out of rusted metal or something clever like building a new, uh, you know, taking a scooter and converting it into a three-wheeled vehicle. Maybe they're doing something interesting like, you know, digging a tunnel and building a bunker under their house and built and putting together cool devices made in video games. Maybe they're social commentary. But what is Lucifer's key characteristic? What is the devil's key characteristic? The devil's key characteristic is it's all about him. And social media's key characteristic, particularly when it comes to the video posting, particularly when it comes to, actually mostly when it, in particular, when it comes to video posting, very rarely for the amateur posters. I mean, granted, you you like you've got the independent journalists who go out and they and they film, you know, big events and all that other stuff. They use their phone and they put and they'll live stream on Twitter or 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 they'll even post to TikTok and post to YouTube and all that other stuff. Like to be sure. But what are the vast majority of live streams? I can tell you what the va- what what a live stream of Radio Free Catholic would be. And I think this is me convincing myself to make sure that I never do a live stream. I might do like a live radio show. But a live live video stream, even if Radio Free Catholic, who's going to be in the middle of the screen? Who should be in the middle of the screen? Well, the one who should be in the middle of the screen is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And maybe if I did a live stream like that, I put the microphone, I'd, like I'll hold an icon, like I'll manage to set up the camera so that the camera's looking at, you know, you're, you're looking at some kind of holy sacred image, like image of the holy family or something like that. And then I'll just talk into the microphone like I normally do. Maybe I might do something like that. But even, it, but even a live stream of Radio Free Catholic, if I were to follow the traditional format, who's on the screen? Who's the camera looking at? That's right, it would be me. For all most of the YouTube channels, who are you looking at? You're looking at the person who's podcasting. Because the show, I mean, there's no getting around it. The show is all about them. You get the political commentators. It's, it's whose opinion, it's their opinion. 
maybe you get some guest shows here and there. Or you get, like, an assembly. And it kind of just diffuses that a little bit. So, like, I don't know if you've ever... <sighs> like, uh, Riketa Law. He's done, he's done a live stream. He actually did a live stream of like the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. And then he had like four or five attorneys. And so you had all of them. And then the big, on the, like the big screen image was actually the Rittenhouse trial. And then you had the lawyers down the side of the screen and they're talking about it, this, that, and the third. And maybe you'll have something like that. But that actually is the rarity. The vast majority of the podcasts, who is it? Who's, who's in the video? It's the person talking. They become the talking head. They become the image. They become the image. It's their image that you're watching. It's their voice that you're listening to. It's them speaking. And to be sure, it is actually them speaking. But that's just a little bit too close for comfort, at least for me. So I think I've just successfully made sure that I'll appear as a guest on somebody else's show, but you will not see a live video feed of Radio Free Catholic. Period. Full stop. And if I ever do a live stream, I can guarantee you that the camera is not going to be looking at me. It's going to be looking, I don't know, at, at maybe the Radio Free Catholic flag, or an image of our Lord, or an image of Our Lady, or an image of St. Joseph, or an image of Christ the King. An image, some kind of holy image. I might even actually, because I've got a really cool painting of a knight on horseback, might just put that as the image in the camera if I ever do a video live stream. Because I will not have it be me. I'm not going to participate in that. Because a lot of people think that maybe there's a little more to it, but this is actually close enough of a prefigurement as I've just noodled it out for me to say absolutely not. And maybe they'll still somehow manage to make en get enough of my my voice, my mannerisms, and all that other stuff in the guest spots that I do on other shows. <clears throat> but the fact is, holy cow! Emails galore. I don't actually have a way to shut those off on my computer either. That kind of sucks. The um. <clears throat> but the fact is. That's just a little bit too close for comfort for me. It's not supposed to be all about me. Radio Free Catholic is literally not supposed to be all about me. I talk a lot, like I describe a lot of the things that go on in my life, but it's not all about me. This, this whole program is about what's going on in the world and how it relates to what you can do about it. That's it. And only insofar as it helps you figure out what you can do about it, will I talk about what I do about it. Only in that far. So what's the morality of creating your own digital demon? I think I just answered the question. A little too close. Whether television and the internet and live streams and video and TikTok and all that stuff is just a precursor, or if it is actually the system. A little too close. Just a little too close for comfort. Because I gotta be honest with you, when I was driving home, I thought it would be like, cause I was thinking about it and I'm like, ah, I don't really know what the morality of creating your own little digital demon would be. And I know for a fact, it's not gonna be me. I'm not immortal, I'll be dead and gone. 
but to have my own little digital demon, a little digital replica of me floating around the interwebs, that's a little too far. That's just a little too far. Now, on that particular topic, I really would like to know what you think. You can email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. If you're a priest and you happen to be listening to this program, first off, welcome. Um, second off, I definitely want your opinion. If you're a priest and you're a Novus Ordo priest, I want your opinion. If you're a priest and you're SSPX, I want your opinion. If you're a priest and you're set of a contest, I want your opinion. If you're, you know, Fraternal Society of St. Peter, Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, Institute of the Good Shepherd, uh, I don't know why you'd be a passionist monk listening to my podcast, but if you happen to be, or a Carthusian, or a Dominican, like, no joke. I want your opinion, and particularly if you're a priest in any of those, I definitely want your, your opinion as, as conceived by your theological education. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. I want your opinion because I want to know. If you're some crazy crackpot, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. Cool. On this particular topic, if you think I'm crazy, because oh man, it's just television. I want your opinion. I'm willing to have my inbox flooded on this particular topic because this is one of those where I look at it and I go, this is kind of where I'm standing. This is where I'm going to sit. And like, truly, admittedly, you're probably not going to, I mean, <sighs> I'd actually have to do something to create my own digital demon. And so I probably won't anyway. But you might be able to convince me that no, it's not morally wrong. Although, you might want to listen to more of my content before you determine that it's whether or not it's morally wrong for me, because I got a vicious streak, and my digital avatar wouldn't have my conscience. I'm just saying. I was going to tackle, actually, another topic. I wanted to talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter. I'll probably save that for tomorrow, because I've already been on here for one and a quarter hours. But let me know what you think, like I said. Um, unlike, <laughs> unlike YouTube, I don't have like a comment section where you can, where you can boost the algorithm, but I do have an email box. Um, you can also find me on SP3RN, Caleb the Mechanic, obviously, and you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Colibri, or you can just run the search for Caleb the Mechanic. I haven't changed my, I haven't changed my handle on Twitter in a very long time, so you should be actually able to search Caleb the Me Mechanic on Twitter and probably be able to find me. If you see the cartoon standing in front of the Vatican flag right under the papal crown. That's me. And I look forward to hearing from you. You can also find me on Telegram, on Radio Free Catholic, and as Caleb the Mechanic, t.me slash Caleb the Mechanic, t.me slash Radio Free Catholic. Any of those avenues, you can actually contact me. You can even go to RadioFreeCatholic.com on that crap website that I still haven't finished and send me a message directly through there. I'm into, like, no joke, I'm seriously interested to know what you think about this particular topic, about the concept of a digital avatar, and about whether or not maybe, because maybe you agree or disagree, maybe you disagree about televisions and cell phone and smartphones and computer screens actually being what the Apostle St. John was talking about. 
any of those topics, like I'd be more than happy. Um, as long as I don't get like 500 emails where I'm not actually physically able to, re to respond, I will respond. Even if I have to say the same thing over and over again, doesn't matter. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.